0: You were just relaxing in the living room of your friend's house the other day, just sitting around and hanging out after another day at work over a few beers. Jokes were shared, venting was done, but the conversation took a turn for the sour without warning, though. Your friend's brow furrowed and his tone quickly became more venomous. You can't even really recall what set him off, but it derailed the otherwise enjoyable evening. Then all of a sudden the table shook. Your friend doubled over with a roar and his arms swept away the beer bottles before you with a crash. You bolted up in your seat, watching feverishly as your companion's frame began to contort, shrink, and tremble. He shot a murderous glance at you. His eyes were sunken, his his jawline protruding, his entire face seemed to overwhelm you with a malicious intent. With a snarl and a grunt, he lurched toward you. You tripped over the chair behind you. Gazing up, you could see him clasp his hands together in a fist and raise it above his head. And with a cracking of bone, the first blows connected with your limp body. You knew all too well more would be sure to follow.
1: That's it. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker man. Look at me, Damien.
2: Hello everyone, this is Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror related. I'm Zach Palmer, sitting next to me is Isaac Wright. Salutations. Okay, uh, <laughs> and uh, very proper. Uh, and joining us from the void is Chrissy Beetle. <laughs> All right, lads. <laughs> uh, today, we're talking about a book. I had to read because we're nerds. Uh, but first. Books are
1: gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
2: Uh, gay nerds. Uh, anyway, <laughs> first, we do have just a little bit of horror oh, news. Yep. Smattering. Just oh, a sure. smattering.
3: There's news. Yeah, right. There
2: is just a bit of news. Uh, first, we're going to talk about. Uh, The famous uh, Neil Gaiman graphic novel slash comic whatever, Sandman, is being picked up by Netflix.
0: Which is going to be interesting. It'll be interesting if they do it well or or what. They finally get to see
2: my
3: death,
0: GF.
2: Uh, I haven't read that much, Sandman, even though I own, like, six volumes of
0: it. I've never read any of it. It, it intimidates me. I'll, I'll come it right is, on and say it. I it's think that is what it is.
2: But, yeah, I mean, I have read, like, the. I think I read the first volume of it, and it's just, it's really, really dense. Yeah, exactly. That's why um, I'm just kind yeah. of like, I,
0: I got, I don't have three weeks to just start reading this. I <laughs> don't have the time! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, no, that,
3: was, that was me and Hellblazer. I spent an entire summer just reading Hellblazer issues.
0: Yeah, that's Constantine, right? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, original the run was yeah.
3: The original run was 300 issues. Like oh that's my when God. the Shit. run ended. Fuck that! But no, I've always been really I read all in of them in, like four weeks. Jam.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, that's too, it's too much to read (laughs) right now. It's
0: the same with Preacher. I didn't watch Preacher because I never read Preacher and just Preacher. I know it isn't as dense, it's more comedic, but I just, I was kind of intimidated by that
3: too. Preacher was very, I found kind of bare bones. I actually stopped watching after the, like, halfway through the first season.
0: No, I've heard that not a lot of people liked it, so. Eh. Yeah,
3: in the fact that. I did like it, I just stopped watching.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs)
2: The fact that Netflix is is doing the adaption, uh, I mean, who the hell knows, really, With Netflix uh, sometimes, like, every once in a while they get a hit, but most of the time it seems like they're just trying to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks.
0: Yeah. Uh, So. Yeah. I don't know, I mean... We'll tell you okay. how season three of Stranger Things is. We're probably going to watch that. We'll mention it probably next time. But, I mean, like, oh, that's I'm one sure, of the good ones, I'm but sure even that one is up have, and down.
3: Yeah, I'm sure
2: a lot of people that have list, are listening Stranger to this Things
3: have already isn't seen it. Stranger not but... based on anything, though, is it? Or is yeah. this no, is it's, on no, on it's a just an amalgam.
0: It's an amalgam of Stephen King and, <laughs> It's like, based on the 80s. Yeah, it's <laughs> <just> an amalgam <laughs> of other ideas that they put together <laughs> and kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is
3: that Zach's feeling... Towards yeah. Saman is how I felt before when they announced a series of unfortunate events, because it was like uh, they could fuck it up, they could not, they didn't, and it made me cry. So really? fuck you, Netflix.
0: <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Neil Patrick Harris, but I keep meaning to watch it, but I just haven't gotten around. To it. I
2: want to watch it because I watched. Uh, I read all the books. Did so you read,
3: yeah. yeah. Hey, I also read all the books. They were like my yeah. favorite books when I was a kid. And, um, oh yeah, mine too. Huge, They're great. I was a huge fucking loser.
0: Well, aren't y'all special? Uh, I loved all the Goosebumps books, and they ruined it with that Jack Black one.
3: I also loved
0: it. I also loved all the Goosebumps books.
3: We can
2: co- There's a Venn diagram no! right here. So we, can, we can exist in the same space. I also was ruined by the Jack Black movie.
0: But I'm the only one on the outside of the Venn diagram in the circle that loved it. Which is that. just kind
2: of a general statement, being ruined by a Jack Black movie. True. But-,
0: <laughs> no, but, I, but I'm out here on my own, in, in my own little part of the Venn diagram, of the only person who has seen Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. So I'll just leave that little gem to myself.
2: Uh, we do have a PS2. <laughs> we have a PS2 game of Space Chimps. Yes, so. but
0: it's not the same thing. Different property entirely.
2: I was just—that's just a little factoid <laughs> about us and our household. Uh, anyway, um, also uh, the team that did the horror, horror noir documentary about uh, uh, basically black horror is doing a. A uh, movie on uh basically horror that's LGBT themed and all that sort of stuff in the history Gays of like LGBT gay Gays, shit. Gay shit. Gay shit. The his- my the Gays history Gayship. of gay shit horror. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. I still haven't seen *Horror Noir*. Did you? Have you seen it yet? I haven't. Frissy? I
3: still. We still need to get Shudder.
2: Yeah, I yeah. know. We talk about. We've talked about this for like. We've watched Shudder every episode,
0: pass- but still have not paid money for it. Or so. We've been talking
2: about Shudder since the podcast started. Yeah. And we really, I
3: really. <laughs> I can theoretically pay for Shudder right now.
0: I'm going Good. to the gym again, so that was my that was going to be my revenue stream for paying for Shudder, was canceling my gym membership, but now I'm going to the gym, so I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm coming
3: back to the States, so I'm down therefore down I can't get Shudder yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but,
2: you know, at this point, Shudder should really just... We should just ask him if uh, they can be one of our sponsors. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Hi.
3: Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Um... But yeah, that, I think that's going to be really good. I'm glad that they're doing mm-hmm. a, a documentary on that because uh, I don't think that's a thing that a whole lot of people have done a whole lot of, uh, I guess, diving into. Is, is Most gay horror specifically? Don't
3: know the dumb man's, like, people know that Clive Barker's gay.
2: Right.
3: People know that. But Clive you, Barker's people... gay? <laughs> I know,
1: right?
3: <laughs> but people don't know the, like Dumb Mancini, who created Child's Play, is gay. Yeah, yeah, and he's like real fucking gay. I love it. <laughs> his, his Twitter, his Twitter is fucking brilliant.
2: I yeah, his Twitter is really good. Um, What's Twitter?
3: <laughs> and like James Whale, who created the, who did the Bride of Frankenstein, and I'm pretty sure he also did Frankenstein, the Universal horror. Oh wow! Versions, yeah. He right. he was gay.
0: Huh. I didn't he, know that at all. Yeah, and that
3: was when know. it was illegal to be gay. Yeah.
0: Was yeah. it illegal? We might have talked about this. I'll yeah, think. in yes, the we 30s, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Uh huh. Yeah. I remember sodomy's still illegal some places, but even then, how do you prove that? If it's um, consensual and happens in a house and there's no cops present, how do you even
2: Because uh, cops. Do, you know, do you know what a witch hunt is?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because have you ever heard police. of the Salem witch
2: trials? <laughs> uh Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, depressing. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Heather Camp, who we know as Nancy Thompson from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I love Nancy. Uh, wants to reprise her role as Nancy uh, and put her in the Conjuring universe, maybe?
0: And we think possibly Freddy, but that hasn't been explicitly said. And it's just like, well, how, how do you mix those two together if the, the Warrens are real people? they li- They, they exist. That museum is real. How do they exist alongside Freddy and Nancy who are glove characters?
3: Freddy's glove, that that does it. I don't know. They own his glove. <laughs> Zach Bagans owns fucking Freddy Krueger's glove. Can Zach okay. Bagans be part of the Conjuring universe? Oh my god, please. Oh my god. That would, Ghost Adventures is part of the Conjuring universe. I want Peppa Pig.
2: I want Peppa Pig in the Conjuring universe. <laughs> Can you imagine?
3: The <laughs> I'm, 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 not gonna shit on Marvel, for the kind of am. But
0: well, they just ruined everything.
3: The fact that, <laughs> well, yeah, the fact that they've made such this big cinematic universe and been so successful with it means that every other company that's also owned by Disney, yeah, <laughs> just every other company is making these cinematic universes. I mean, Troma did it first with the fact that, like, Sergeant Kabuki-Man and the Toxic Avenger know each other and we're in loads of movies together.
0: Top 10 anime Usually crossovers. Usually it's just
3: background characters. But, but that's
0: different, but, like, using your thing. own... That's, like, I don't know, that's your own IP. For Troma, that's all of Lloyd's own IPs, you know what I mean? And putting those together yeah. makes sense. It's, like, what, uh, what... What's his face did for clerks and mall rats and everything like that? I cannot remember. Kevin name. Smith. That's his name. Yeah, um, but like that's that's all one big cinematic universe, and he did that because he liked comic books so much, and he wanted right. to keep everything contained in a universe. Right. But those are still all his IPs. Right. Marvel just yeah, bought up every IP known to man, and it's like. Spider-Man is going to fight Luke Skywalker next time, guys. Here we go. No, Disney bought up everything, not
2: Marvel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you uh, right. Disney, Disney uh, conquered and annexed yeah. everything that they could. They're literally like the uh, the world superpower of entertainment. Yeah, they're
0: the Weyland-Yutani. Um, uh. Yes, they are the yeah. Weyland-Yutani. <laughs> Oh, the actual universe! They've been experimenting on turning Mickey Mouse into a biological weapon. Oh my for, God! For, for 40 Can you imagine years. Xenomorph
2: Mickey Mouse? Jesus! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> my,
3: my blood's gonna gonna melt you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks, Marvel. That means you've made because like Blumhouse want to make everything into a cinematic universe as well. Or is the country
0: oh, cool. by Blumhouse? <laughs>
3: <laughs> is the conjuring done by Blumhouse? I don't remember.
0: Um, no, I think it, it's Insidious, it is, right? Or am I wrong? No, no, about no, that no. Too? No, it's, it's not the same universe as Insidious. No, I know but... it's not the same universe, but I was thinking, is Blumhouse Insidious? Blumhouse
3: did too much shit, and now they yeah, want Blumhouse
2: did paranormal activity. Oh, okay. Um, oh. But I, I don't know. I can't remember what else it did. Yeah, I don't
0: know about the conjuring. I think
2: they did do Insidious. I'm pretty sure they That's did. That's what I thought,
0: but I don't yeah. know about the conjuring. I, I think the conjuring's separate. I
2: think the conjuring's a separate it thing. It just has that
0: same guy in it. It that yeah, same it's,
2: uh, that one accent. Patrick, Patrick something. I can't remember. But he's just
0: he's just in, he's just in uh he he has he's in a leap. He, he's just in a quantum leap he's trying to get <laughs> <Yes>. home. <laughs>
3: yeah. Thanks to fucking Marvel, everyone wants a fucking cinematic universe cuz they yeah. think it's how they'll be successful. And no. I mean, you can't, you can't blame them. I just want them. individual movies.
2: Yeah, but you can't blame them for thinking that they're going to be successful for no, creating no. a cinematic universe. I mean, I get it. Like, it's literally one of the most lucrative things in entertainment that's ever existed. Yeah. So, I mean, Avengers Endgame was probably the biggest movie that has ever happened. That has ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, yeah. Well, other
0: than, I guess, Cleopatra and Ishtar, those two movies were yeah expensive and sucked. But right. regardless, Endgame sucked. Yeah. Well,
2: Fight me. well, we think it sucked, but there's a lot
0: of people that liked it a lot. So.
2: There were a lot of parts about it. I'm not going to get into it. There. There's, there's a lot of parts about
0: I it. Know that I know lots of people
3: but, were whatever. disappointed.
2: Yeah. And I all was I can kind of
3: say is I told you so because yeah, you, so, you hyped up the thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, can we talk about something interesting now?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of interesting, Zach saw so, a film.
2: I did see a movie. Uh, it, this is a movie that we mentioned a few times, uh, especially when we we uh, were talking about Wicker Man. Uh, but Midsummer came out, or Midsummer, however you want to pronounce it. But we in the states we pronounce it Midsummer. Um, Midsummer came out, and I saw it the the not really the midnight showing, but the July third, the night that it came out technically. And uh, it is. Very good. Let me just say that. It's it's a really good film. It is very much along the lines of Wicker Man and a lot of, like, the pagan and folk horror uh, type stuff. Um, and uh, it's... The thing is, is I, I have to kind of see it again to really get a scope of it because there is so much imagery in it. There's a lot of, like, shots to other things in it. And there's a lot of, like, interspersed shots and stuff. So there's... I would have to watch it again to really get the full picture and the full story of it because uh, there's just... So much. Uh, let me just say that there is some uh, intense sex scenes in it.
3: <laughs> oh, so great. If that's not your. So if that's not Didn't your you sort of thing. It with loads of my mates. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah there there is there is one uh, intense sex scene in particular, and there is a lot of uh, full frontal male nudity in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll say I'll say that I'll say that up front.
0: Uh, uh, can you give me a, uh, just a real quick just synopsis? Uh, not don't spoil anything, but just like what's the premise of the plot and stuff? Because I really don't I, from watching the trailers, I just know that it's kind of pagan shit movie. I don't know anything about, else about it.
2: I'll try to I'll try yeah I'll try to keep it as vague as possible. Um, Really okay, so there is a uh there's a a a girl named Danny who uh, is kind of having relationship issues a little bit, uh, and then a really a, like a really intense trauma happens in her life. I'm not going to say what mm-hmm. it is yeah. exactly, uh, but basically after that, uh, her her boyfriend and his friends are going to Sweden, uh, because they're grad students and they're doing like a thesis paper on like I guess like paganism and like mm-hmm. Midsummer rituals and all that sort of stuff and uh, they one of their friends is from this tiny village in sweden that has a lot of really pagan practices and all that stuff it's very you know way the fuck out there type place uh so they go to sweden and danny comes along um and they they get to this village and uh they're on psychedelics like most of the movie by the
0: awesome. way they're, they're they're
2: they're they're like doing mushrooms like the whole movie that's
0: fucking sweet
2: <laughs> and like the whole that's like a huge part of the film is doing psychedelics it's okay. like and there's a lot of really like the way that they do like like the background is almost always like pulsing and like moving yeah
0: that's how it looks it's, when you're it's on psychedelics. a yeah. it's a
2: really it's a really interesting. And I feel like a realistic interpretation of, of psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, pulse, kinda... pulsing
0: is exactly the word you use when you're talking yeah. about like how the walls look and stuff like that. But uh, but drugs.
2: much like the Wicker Man, it's got like a slow boil, mm. like thing, like more and more and more intense things happen until okay. the end. And then the end is just a complete fucking cacophony, cacophony of shit fucking yeah. happening. Nice. Uh, but it builds tension really nicely and it does tension really quietly. Uh, which yeah. is really good uh, and i I really enjoyed it and I feel like I'm not a huge fan of the actors in it. I feel like the acting was a little strange. Mm-hmm. Not really bad, but just strange. And, like, the choices that they made were interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really good overall. I really enjoyed it. How, uh, does it
0: relate to Hereditary at all? Is it like it, no. Was it directed by the same person or anything? It was, direct,
2: it was directed by uh, Ari Aster, yeah. Okay, but, okay that's what I, yeah. yeah,
0: a lot of people are comparing the two yeah. o- online and stuff from what I was reading. And I was like, yeah. oh, I, I just wasn't aware that it was the same director.
2: Yeah, yeah, Ari Aster um, and... It is it's a it's a beautifully shot film mm-hmm. first of all. It looks amazing. Uh it, the, all the the locale that they chose for it, I don't know where the fuck that they actually shot it. They may have actually shot it in Sweden, but it looks great. It is such a beautiful movie That's like cool. the way it's shot and everything and the colors are fantastic. And just I don't know. It's really upsetting. It's a very upsetting film like Seems on like a lot a... of levels. Yeah. Um mm. And uh, there were some people, some of my friends were saying that I, I, I don't really like that they build it as a horror movie because it wasn't really a horror movie. And I'm just like, yeah, it was. What what planet do you not think this is a horror movie? I don't get it. Like, maybe it's not as intense horror as you're used to. It's but, it's like not a like, a different, but
0: you wouldn't classify it as a thriller or no, something like that? It it's definitely, definitely a horror, horror film. film. There's okay. some
2: really fucking horrible things that happen All in right. this movie that are like really, like, what the fuck, like right. type things. Like, what the fuck?
3: I saw uh, that there was a Everyone's saying it's really... There's a lot of good gore, but it's yes. only when needed.
2: Yes, there is a lot of very particular... And creative gore in it, mm. yes. That's how I felt
0: about Hereditary, too. I mean, they didn't overuse gore at any point in that. It was all, like, really fucking spooky. Yeah. <laughs>
2: there, there is more gore in it than in Hereditary. Also, oh, be upset is,
3: for me. The nearest cinema showing Midsommar to me is fucking Brighton.
0: Give us an idea how that's, far away that that's is. That's an hour away from me. Oh, That's not bad. Yeah, like if we had to go to Dallas for well, like a well, house show for,
2: By Texas standards,
3: not that bad. True, by British okay, standards, true.
0: really bad. <laughs> yes. fact
3: I have to get,
0: get on the A21 and go down there. The oh fact, my God, the shut fact up. that I have to get
3: a fucking shit southern train to fucking Brighton to watch a movie. I might see if the the lads are all up for like a a Brighton trip in like a couple of days when I while right. I still have time off. <laughs>
0: If you see it before I do, I'm going to be kind of upset. I'm like, well, that was was a real trick that they had to do, and I still haven't seen it, I can go right down there. Yeah.
3: You fuck. I have to spend at least 30 quid on a fucking
0: train. (laughs) I mean, I have to spend $30 at the movie. (laughs) Go in for... You can eat beforehand. Get popcorn and and a drink, and now I have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Black
2: Black Books is great. Uh, But anyway... uh, to summarize, basically what I would say is that it, you probably will need to watch it more than once to really get the whole idea of it, I guess. Uh, it's not that it's like a really hard to follow film. There's just like a lot in it, mm. you know, because you can totally get and understand it and completely comprehend it and really absorb it in one watch. But I feel like for you to really get like the full experience of it, you would probably need to watch it more than once. Uh, but it's it's really good. In my opinion, it lives up to the hype. I think it's really great. Um and I, I we still don't have a rating system. Um I would give it whatever the uh the the give highest it, rating.
3: <laughs> give it Swedish Mandic.
2: Uh now how many Swedish oh, mandics? Okay. Uh <laughs> out of seven, uh let's say six and a half Swedish mandics.
0: Beautiful. I like I like the idea of starting any kind of rating system with out of seven. <laughs> I love that for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a dial that goes up to 11. It's just, wow. Well, why? Sa- seven's a really satisfying number. It is. That's why seven eleven is called seven eleven. It's not for any actual reason other than the owner knew that both 7 and 11 are numbers that a lot of people relate to and find <laughs> satisfaction from, so he just named his franchise 7 They all move. You look... Yeah, Yeah. you learn so much by listening to this podcast. We 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 are uh, an educational resource (laughs) more than anything. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, like for instance, you're going to learn that as soon as the news is over, I'm going to go pee. (laughs) You learned something today.
2: Okay. (laughs) Now for the main thing. (laughs) Hey, hey, Zach here. Just a quick reminder to follow us on social media. Uh, that would be at PC of the Dead on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Podcast of the Dead is our Facebook page. And then if you want to email us about either movie suggestions or just to talk, then you can reach us at dead at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to the show in a monetary way and want to help us make better content in the future, then you can also go to our Patreon and contribute there. Uh, The easiest tier is just First Blood, which is a dollar a month, and that is patreon.com slash PC of the dead. Okay, this week, as we said, we're talking about a book. For the first time, Uh, although technically we did talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula when we talked about Nosferatu. That's episode three. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) we are talking about uh, an author as well today that does not normally do horror. But this is, of course, one of the most endearing works of gothic horror ever created. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, But first we're going to talk about, real quick,
0: the pronunciation of Jekyll. (laughs) Yes, it's actually pronounced Jekyll because he is Scottish. I don't know yeah. why that's a Scottish pronunciation, but whatever. For the- <laughs> Look,
3: Scotland pronounces brilliantly because the language is better than English.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, originally it was called uh, Dr. Jekyll, or The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, and it stayed that way up until the first movie that actually had sound. That was adapted from the book, and at that point, it in sound they pronounced it Jekyll, and from then on, it just kind of stuck. Right. And you were saying there was also some kind of uh, prejudice against the Scots for the reason that the the Brits. I mean, there
3: still is. Well, yeah. Yeah. But um, because British people are shit, (laughs) they there is sort of talk when discussing it that historians think that British people also called it Jekyll so that they didn't have to sound Scottish when they talked. Oh my god. Because poor Scottish people in Victorian London. No 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 not allowed. <laughs>
2: And not to be like not not to have some sort of Scottish pronunciation erasure here, but just just for the the purposes of this is how we know that it's said just from from be, it being retconned essentially. We're going to pronounce it as Jekyll because we're not like pretentious. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um,
3: but, yeah. Although I will use Jekyll when I do talk about it with other people because I am a pretentious cunt.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs>
2: Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the plot.
0: Yeah. So if y'all haven't read it, and um, this is a book that I feel like it has been lost in translation a lot. It's it's changed over the years. But anyway, basically what the story is, is uh, there is a man named Utterson, and he is of Scottish society. Well, no, actually, no, it is set in London, even though... Yeah, they are British. Correct. Robert Louis Stevenson is originally from Edinburgh, but uh, the story is set in London. So there is a man named Utterson, who is, I believe, also a doctor. No, he's a lawyer. He, Why, uh, he is...
3: governor. <laughs> I'm a lawyer.
0: <laughs> but he is a lawyer, and he's good friends with a man named Dr. Jekyll. But you don't find out about that until a little bit later. But he and another one of his friends uh, do daily walks around London just because they have to do something because there's no TV and no internet.
3: Because that rate. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh come on, 1886, they didn't have Wi-Fi. Hey,
0: there were airports Bullshit. during the Revolutionary War, remember? Oh god, don't yeah. fucking don't talk about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> do not talk about it. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's the stupidest shit. Anyway, so they pass by this door uh, on a kind of a dingy street where there's just a whole bunch of people to just hang out in front of it. Alone lot and the, this building has no windows just a very like ratty looking door and one guy's like hey you know what that door is and the other guy's like nah never seen it before i did see somebody come out of there once though it was fucked up and then he relates the story about how he saw this man who was very disheveled in appearance and just really fucked up looking just is like out trundling along one night and he comes to a corner just as this little girl is coming to a corner at the same time and he proceeds to just trample over her entirely uh, he doesn't say that he killed her, but everyone gets super pissed off about it. And he eventually grabs him, and the parents of the child want him dead, and the doctor gets there, and it's like, wow, this child's close to death. Fuck this guy. And everyone's about to, like, call for his head, essentially. And he's like, nah, I can make this right, bros. I can pay you money. And so they're like, we don't believe you. How do you have money? And so he goes to this door, this uh, this nondescript door on this crappy side street. He goes in, comes back out with a check for a hundred pounds and they're like we don't believe that this check will clear and he's like it's cool I will stay until it does and so he goes to them to the bank in the morning and he cashes this check for a hundred pounds signed by Dr. Jekyll and it clears and then he goes off about his merry way and he's like that's the only time I ever saw anyone come out of that door. He's fucked up. I hate him. So for whatever reason, this story sticks in Utterson's mind and he starts dwelling on it, how this person could have access to the funds of Dr. Jekyll, who is his friend. And so basically the rest of his portion of the book is an an investigation into who Mr. Hyde is and what his relationship to Jekyll is. And he becomes of the opinion that Dr. Jekyll must be in his debt or is being blackmailed by Mr. Hyde. Because that's the only reason someone of such good standing in high society would have anything to do with someone named Mr. Hyde. And the reason he's so fucked up about it is because he owns and officiated, I guess is the term, Dr. Jekyll's will. And in that will, there is a clause that says, in the event of his death or a disappearance of a period of time more than three months, Mr. Hyde is to stand in to Dr. Jekyll's place in society without any delay whatsoever. And that nags at him a lot. And that's basically the reason why he goes on this whole search in the first place. Um, Then throughout the course of the book, uh, a member of parliament is murdered by Mr. Hyde. And that's a, that's a whole fucking shit show. <laughs> and uh, that's a whole thing. yeah, that's a whole fucking deal with him fucking just basically he just curb stomps the bitch. But <laughs> oh okay, Why yeah, a child? yeah. Um, mood. But anyway, so after that, they eventually find in Mister Hyde's place of residence uh, some documents, and at that point, Utterson's tale ends because he goes home to pour over these documents. And he reads the account by a one Dr. Lanyon, who is a friend of Dr. Jekyll. And in this account, we learn that Lanyon was asked to retrieve some items from his study, from Dr. Jekyll's study, and bring it to a man who will appear in his name. Which just means, hey, I'm a friend of Jekyll, yo. So he takes these items to him, and... At that point, uh, who is this point we know to be Hyde, says, all right, you can leave right now, and you don't have to know what's about to go down. Or your curiosity can get the best of you, and you can find out what happens when I drink this fucking Kool-Aid. And, oh, my God. He, uh, he drink the change juice. Yeah, exactly. Changer juice. <laughs> <laughs> As Elanian stays, and Witnesses Hyde turn back into Jekyll, mm. and under most horrifying circumstances. And he dies, like, a week later. <laughs> he just gets fucking freaked the fuck out, and just fucking dies. But leaves all this information for Utterson to read after the fact. And so that's kind of the end of the story, and then we have a first person account of Jekyll of why he decided to undergo this experiment. His whole in the justification
2: first place. for the thing, exactly.
0: Yeah. So that's that's how the book goes. It's it has is not from Jekyll's perspective. It's not. It's not how a lot of media presents it, and it's really interesting, and it's a really good read. It's very much, yeah, it's a gothic story. It's it's very much in the vein of like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein right. or Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah,
2: a lot of a lot of gothic horror. In I mean, our our only real reference on the show is Dracula, but it, it seems like a lot of gothic horror is not told first person. It's told secondhand, or mm-hmm. yeah, it's told it's all... through journal entries, or it's told through uh, news stories. Sometimes, and I'm some not sure way, how but...
0: Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is written. It's but... been
2: a Really long time since I read yeah. it. It's mostly yeah, it, it's mostly also secondhand. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay. So
0: I don't know why it makes it. I don't know if they thought it made it scarier at the time or if it. I guess it's kind of the same reason as like a creepypasta is the way that it is. It's always like a few mm. degrees of separation from like what the actual pr- th- subject matter I is. I
2: do think in the style of, of late 1800s gothic horror, I feel like indirect storytelling does make it better. Mm-hmm. It does, t- it gives it an, an air of mystery about it, I think. And I guess
0: it could make you feel like, I, in, in most of them, they're presented obviously as fiction, but just right. like... Weird internet rumors yeah. go around. It gives you the air of possibly this happened.
2: But, and I think we mentioned about, about it already, but it, it, traditionally, Robert Louis Stevenson uh, did not write horror. Correct. He, he wrote mm-hmm. mostly adventure stories. Yes.
0: Um, really quick, before we get onto the subject of Robert Louis Stevenson, I had uh, a quick, a quick uh, fact about his life that I thought was really telling. It was really interesting and kind of gives you a little bit of insight on who he was as a person. Okay, so uh, he was sick most of his life. Uh, so he was—I uh, think they say it might have been tuberculosis—but he was—he was very ill. For nearly all of his life. And That's a contem-
3: very Victorian London yeah. disease.
2: Yeah. Well, the contemporaneous view is that it was tuberculosis. Uh, I think later it was diagnosed as something else, like a permanent right. like enlargement of some of his like bronchioles or something oh, like sure. that. But
0: but anyway, yeah. as a result of this, uh, growing up, he had a nurse, and her name was Alice, Allison Cunningham, and she was known very lovingly as Cummy.
1: <laughs> I, I,
2: <laughs> yes, I, I
0: I did know that. Yes, but. I fucking love it. <laughs> but
2: you're I a, didn't know that. You're, you're, so you're, a, you're a huge piece of shit, you know?
3: <laughs> ooh, ooh, get me cummy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my
3: oh
0: yes oh boy can you imagine that just being echoed throughout an old victorian household bring me cummy please <laughs> I, I need my cummy to administer my my oh, lung draining oh, juice oh my god <laughs> this okay this is the
2: kind of content you come here for this, this is all that's all i'm gonna say is you come you come to this podcast because you want that uh Anyway. Okay.
3: <laughs> I've been, you do i w- my cummy to administer my lung draining juice is not <laughs> a sentence I expected to hear today. But oh, I man. did.
0: I <laughs> you, expect a, you expect something else to be drained when, when you uh, speak of cummy in uh, polite uh, conversation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a sentence that anybody ever has expected to exist.
1: <laughs>
0: It does now. It does now. Uh, uh, This was my contribution to the world of English. The English (laughs) language is bettered by that sentence having been spoken and recorded. You all the Robert
3: (laughs) Louis Stevenson. We have
2: to completely restructure the language now because of that (laughs) sentence. I'm I'm just saying.
0: Okay. To backtrack a little bit. I've been waiting f- fucking since we started to, to, it, it, to. I have a bookmark in my book oh, well, specifically I know. of her. No, you've had
2: the book in your hands <laughs> yes, this whole and time. It's been mainly and for this. I'm just like, what is he about to spout? <laughs> uh...
0: But anyway, a little bit more about Robert Louis even since it actually matters. <laughs> uh...
1: <laughs>
2: that doesn't matter. I mean, that's like. He was an interesting dude. Yeah,
0: no, he was born. Yeah. Uh, he was born to a rich family uh, or an affluent family. Uh, I don't know if I would call them rich or not. Upper middle class, definitely. They um, were
3: in in that time. They were fucking rich.
0: Okay, so in high society, and so he was born, uh, and he, like I said, sickly most of his life, and that prevented him from going to lower school most of the time. But he eventually was admitted to university with his father's help, and. Uh, Contrary to his father's wishes, he decided not to pursue engineering, which was what everyone wanted for him, and instead decided to pursue law. Even though he decided to pursue law, got his degree, and passed the bar, never practiced his entire life, and instead spent all of his time writing and traveling, really. He traveled... lot which must have been a tremendous financial strain and something you could only do if you're in the upper echelon of society but he went all over the place in europe he met his uh eventually wife who was married to an american man at the time when she left he got super fucked up and butthurt about it um eventually he went (laughs) please don't
2: ever say butter
0: (laughs) please don't ever say that Anyway, he went to California eventually, and they did get married after she divorced her husband. And they lived in California for a while, and then eventually, because of his health, they moved back to England, like the southern shores of England, I believe, where it's it's one of those places where the the sea air is supposed to do wonders for the health and all that type of shit. Yeah, except
3: the southern towns were really fucking
0: awful. Yeah. But anyway, so he traveled around most of his life, and one thing that I learned as a result of all this is uh, toward the end of his life, he went out into the Pacific Islands regions. He traveled around Hawaii and um, some of the other places out there and eventually ended up in Samoa and became a really big... person in the Samoan fight for freedom and is actually buried there. He is buried yeah, in Samoa. Yeah. So uh, he had a really interesting life and apparently his contemporaries, some of them really did not like him and other people thought he was a really cool dude. Yeah. It's really strange. And uh, like even scholars today don't know how to really feel about his personal life. Some people think he's a piece of shit and other people are like, yeah, he's cool.
3: But hey, I do He sounded like a nice lad. I mean, um, yeah, he did fuck around with a married woman, but it's Victorian. It's Victorian. Yeah. We didn't fuck each other's yeah. wife at this point. Oh, God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, did you fuck my mom, Santa? <laughs> <laughs> did you, did
0: you, did you we referenced mom, a lot of It's Always Sunny on this podcast. Oh I apologize, but yeah. at the same time, I love you, It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Anyway. But uh but yeah, so that's Robert Louis Stevenson in a nutshell. He's no- he's known for this, and his other really, really big one is Treasure, Treasure Island. Island. Yeah. Um uh, kidnapped is apparently a really big one, too, but I yeah. haven't even heard of it. I don't even know what uh, that was uh, about. Yeah, I
2: hadn't really heard about it until uh, I started researching this. But, I mean, it may have been, like, much more popular, like, when closer when it mm-hmm, came out. Because it was and, a
0: historical fiction and stuff yeah. like
2: that. So. Yeah, but, but yeah, a lot, a lot of the stories that he wrote were typically adventure tales, like, uh, like Treasure Island, Kidnapped, The Black Arrow, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And
0: they're meant to be young, what we consider now is young adult fiction. Kinda. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh-huh. never, it's never, like, hardcore fiction for adults, really. it's doesn't get too deep he doesn't write a whole lot of long novels like long form novels although he was inspired a lot by crime and punishment apparently he says he never finished it but it almost finished him (laughs) that is what he said of crime and punishment and i feel the same way
3: (laughs) yeah Yeah, i feel the same way
2: (laughs) uh yeah but um we'll we'll talk maybe about his stylistic departure and perhaps why he had a stylistic departure uh a little bit later in the episode Mm. first we're going to talk about characters yes. which are a really huge part of this i mean this that's whole all story. the story really is yeah is characters. yeah yeah and of course we're going to first talk about uh dr jekyll yes uh what, what's his first name again henry henry is it henry,
0: henry yes. jekyll In yes. one of the movies i got thrown off because they called him harry and i was like harry. why the fuck
3: he's mentioned harry a couple of times in the book it's kind of like a nickname
0: Oh, is it? Oh, okay. That makes a little more. sense. Are those sense.
2: interchangeable names? I don't feel like.
0: I don't know either. Yeah, I thought Harry was Harrison and Henry was just Henry. I think
3: Henry no, was. It's, it's kind of just a nickname. Britain's weird First... like that. I
0: thought huh. I, I thought Hank was always a, a, it was like a
2: nickname for Henry or something like that. It's I, an I American remember. nickname.
0: Yeah, Hank it. Hank definitely sounds very American, but yeah. I think that's just because we watch a lot of King of the Hill. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah. But anyway, uh, Doctor Jekyll is. Known to be a pretty swell guy most of the time. Uh, He's known to be very, you know, very affable, very uh, easy to talk to, a, a, um, you know, church going guy, very, very the epitome of the values of the society at the time. But, except by one guy, Lanyon, who has his own part of the book, uh, Lanyon disapproves of a lot of his scientific research. And we're not really sure why he just says that. You know, a lot of his themes, a lot of his ideas, they're radical. They're crazy. You know, uh, he there's very much a departure from what should be acceptable. So, uh, save for that one bloke, Jekyll's a pretty neat, neat dude. And um, his yeah, his his field of study is chemistry. Really, um, he's all mm-hmm. of every uh, depiction of his cabinet as they call it, is uh, full of uh, scientific aspira- uh, Apparatuses. asper Apparatuses. <laughs> Asperatuses. Meth- so also can't full read. of snakes.
2: A just theory. full of snakes. Yeah. Uh, so he's basically <laughs> Walter White. That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> A little
3: bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he turned into Mr. Hyde. He was just doing meth. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh or bath like, as I will say. Uh, uh, meth
3: fucks you up.
0: Bath salts, bath Oh my
3: god! I mean, he was probably on opium at that point. Let's be fucking. Yeah, everybody was.
0: Yeah, Uh, that was a very high
3: society was just opium. Yeah,
0: but anyway, like um, today, Jekyll, Jekyll's character, like I said, he is definitely on the surface an upstanding guy, but in his account and in some of the other accounts that you read throughout the book, he is struggling with his desires which are very much p- suppressed by uh kind of the values the puritan values of England at the time right. and specifically if we're talking about Robert Louis Stevenson's point of view writing it uh Edinburgh is a very presbyterian city and they are very much about you know none of these things are okay push them down push them deep down in there you don't want them in there and repression <laughs> yes. repression
2: and suppression lead to aggression
0: Correct. let's just say that <laughs> and so Jekyll starts just being interested in, and I'm always kind of fuzzy about his real motivation for it because it sounds to me through some of the passages that he's trying to find a way that he can come up with this alter ego so he can do all the stuff that he wants to, but then go back home at the end of the day, put on his Jekyll mask and be like, one me. And just have have a basically a scapegoat. Which essentially happens after the murder of the member of parliament. He basically does away with Hyde. And is like you'll never see him again. But Hyde is known then throughout London as the murderer. Yeah. So he puts He doxes yeah, it publicly. Yeah, he, yeah. he puts him out there. And so he can never go back to being Hyde in public. And that's a big problem later. But. I don't understand. Like yeah you can be obsessed with the duality of man's nature. You can be obsessed with good and evil battling within you but i don't understand why you would go to such a degree of creating this whole other persona like I- wasn't well,
3: well, he the science man yeah can. yeah we'll,
2: we'll get into maybe like what the the kind of psychology of that later i think mm-hmm. but uh, let, let, let's let's just keep it on characters for right now and then we'll talk about okay. some particular themes and then we'll we'll kind of tie those in together um Let's talk about Utterson because Utterson is also a pretty interesting character. Yeah, Utterson like, is
0: probably, I would say, other than Jekyll, the most important character in the whole book. Yeah, because most of yeah uh, uh, two thirds of the story. Oh well, one third if you want to say it like that. But but if we're talking by like page count. Two-thirds of the story is Utterson's perspective. And Utterson is a friend of Jekyll's, a guy who holds his will, uh, so knows him really well. But Utterson is kind of meant to be, maybe not a foil. Foil's the wrong word. But foil's basically Jekyll, but without this desire to explore his negative instincts. He's all down with the concept of keep it stuffed down inside. He drinks gin alone by himself, just kind of chills out doesn't embark on any crazy notions of fancy
3: i felt that
0: (laughs) um i don't know he is basically doing what he feels is right by the society in which he lives (laughs) he's basically conforming to their values and isn't really examining it you know what i mean like his big shit is walking with his friend every other day or whatever like that's his that's his that's his fucking shit man like that's that gets him off yeah exactly he gets. He's getting off yeah. so hard right
3: there. <laughs> That's the thing. Utterson and Jekyll are two... They're two sides of the same coin right. in terms of where they are in society. But they're the different sides of the coin in terms of... sort of societal norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as, as we say, Jekyll's like, hey, go sin, do this stuff as long as... He kind of has that as-long-as-you-repent-it's-okay idea Mm -hmm. in his head. Yeah. Whereas Utterson is like, no, no think the bad thing, no do the bad thing. Right. Don't. Just just don't.
0: (laughs) he, He remarks on it a little bit when he's thinking about the fact that Hyde may have blackmailed Jekyll. Because he talks about, I know for sure, you know, I've done shit in the past. And God, if those came back to bite me like this, I'd be up shit creek. (laughs) But he's like, but he even, I think he even says something to the account, to the, uh, like, eventually saying that. But nothing I did was like that bad. Like, I had my He wonders He does wonder sort of
3: what. Jekyll is done to right. be blackmailed.
0: Yeah, because he's like, which wow. That puts
3: the seeds of doubt in his head about his friend.
0: Right, correct. And so it's weird. And uh, I don't know. Like, Utterson is definitely. Uh, on the face of it, he's a pretty simple character, but at the same time, he goes through a lot of turmoil, internal turmoil, yeah. over what's going on with Jekyll and the fact that there's so much uncertainty with it. I mean, well,
2: it's, it's a really upsetting thing yeah. to be witnessing, mm.
0: witnessing, especially in regards to
2: your, to your, like, basically best friend, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just like this sort of thing where you're just, you're just like, there. what do I not know about him? Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that is that is making this whole thing happen. Right. You know what I mean? There's gotta be something. It's gotta be the
0: most, the worst thing mm-hmm. imaginable, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Utterson just, uh he is the, definitely the most fleshed out character other than Jekyll and Hyde. Those are the those are the three. The other character to talk about is Lanyon, who doesn't have as big of a p- part in the book. Basically, what Lanyon does is uh he's the one that sees the transformation of Jekyll. He's the only one that actually sees that as a second person as opposed to just Jekyll seeing it happen to himself. And so when Landon yeah. sees it, like I said, he fucking flips out. He yeah. is not happy. And he goes off to die after about a fortnight or three days or some, some shit. I don't know. I know fortnight's two weeks. So Those are different spans of time. I don't care. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But Lanyon is definitely, like I said, Lanyon is uh, of the opinion that everything that Jekyll is doing is wrong, and he wants to keep him as a friend, but at the same time he keeps urging him that, you know, what you're doing is heresy. He's kind kind
2: of the ideological
0: foil. Correct. Yeah. Now, he's the ideological Mm. one in that Utterson is kind of like, yeah, same same coin type idea, whereas uh, Lanyon really is more of the foil. Correct. Yeah. So, um... Lanyan, I mean, to a certain degree, you can look at Lanyan and be like, you're just kind of a stick in the mud. Why, why, why are you so stuck up? Come on, science only advances on on the backs of failure and, like, get out of your butt and stuff like that. But, I mean, at the same time... <laughs> okay. <laughs> but at the same time, Lanyan is also probably the smartest one, and he's like, hey, fucking don't do this.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he literally goes, hey, don't do that, and then he after seeing the thing, and Jekyll's like, no, fuck you, I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> and then Lanyon mysteriously gets sick, and yeah. looks looks ill because he's gazed upon the fact that his shit mate is doing these <laughs> shit things, and then yeah. he dies.
0: And I guess you could interpret him getting sick and dying as... Seeing that all of his work, you know, didn't really come to anything, you know, it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. I tried and tried to say that what you're doing is wrong, that this is something man's not supposed to meddle in, and Jekyll goes and does it anyway, to a certain degree of success, too. Like Jekyll gets away with murder. Jekyll gets yeah. away with almost killing a kid, and so he's kind of thrown into a spiral of, "Well, shit, is my life kind of a lie yeah, now?" Yeah, it's so it's a self doubt yeah. spiral. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's what I would. That's the only reason I can come up with, other than the abject terror of seeing that transformation in person. That's the only other reason I would have to say to see him die or to write him out the way that yeah, because I does. mean, when
2: he saw that shit, he must have like literally pissed and shit himself. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> 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 that room was. <would, laughs>
3: Piss and shit and needed cummy.
0: <laughs> cummy, bring me my bedpan so that I might fill it and you might empty it in the gutter. Cummy, bring my piss and shit back. So I made piss and shit inside of it. Cummy, I'm sorry, I've lost working in my arms. Could you please run a damp cloth over my hole so that I might be clean once more? Damp cloth? Is, is
3: this. Is this just the part of the book that Stevenson cut out of just, yes. of just Lanyon's fucking death?
0: Well, the way that he wrote it originally. The way that he Center wrote it originally. Director's he, cut. Uh, Stevenson originally wrote it and was super fucking psyched about it. And then went out, oh yeah, by the way, his wife's name is Fanny. So you got hey. Fanny and Cummy. These are two people in his life. I don't know what that says about him. Moving on. <laughs> anyway, he wrote it and uh, he was super excited about it and read it aloud to his wife. And she was apparently really critical of it at first. It was like, apparently he wrote it more on the nose, and she was like, you kind of missed the whole allegory behind the story, and stuff like that. And so he went off, he burned the original manuscript. (laughs) He just threw it in the fire, apparently, that day, like right after she (laughs) said, nah, that wasn't that good. And he was like, fuck that! And so he went, he wrote it in three days. He wrote and shipped the thing to the publisher in three days after scrapping it the first time. And apparently that's a big feat, because in the introduction that I read, a standard, the gold standard for a lot of authors these days, or at least at the time, maybe since, is like a thousand words a day. That's what you should try to keep up with in order to kind of stay on schedule and make sure everything mm. stays on track and everything right. like that. Apparently, in order to write the amount that he did in three days, he basically had to average 10,000 words a day.
3: Wow. Look, and wow. <laughs> the opium is a hell of a drug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, but apparently, mm. they they said that it was a real feat because... He couldn't do anything physically intensive because he was so sick. Like at that point, he was having like hemorrhages, like intestinal yeah. hemorrhages or something. Yeah. And so they were like, Yeah, to see him working like this, it was physically paining him. But he was also happy about it because he was just like, This shit's good. like this. is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, it, so it's an he interesting.
3: Despite his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Nice. But so anyway. I don't know how we got off on that track. Uh, so it's Cummy. Just bring it yeah, up, no. Cummy again. No, got no, no, everything
2: but, off but, the but rail. No, that's good, that's really interesting. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. I meant to
0: mention it when we talked about Stevenson, but, well, we, but again, we're, Cummy now we're, went off.
2: Now we're Cummy about,
0: is the reason. That I this see.
2: Is. We're just talking. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking.
0: That's that. We're talking
2: about the book. That's all that matters. We're on topic in general. Okay. Uh, but let's talk about. Really, what is a separate character and probably the uh, the most, I mean, the foil to the whole book yeah. is uh, Mr. Hyde, uh, which, uh, Eddie Hyde. Ed, yeah. Edward Hyde. But I'm going to call him ol Eddie Hyde. Old Eddie.
3: Old Eddie. <laughs> um, old Ed. Good old Ed. But,
0: but, yeah, Ed's interesting in that, I don't know, uh, I guess I kind of want to talk about his appearance first. because sure
3: angry and yeah. really fucking ugly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, it's it's the reason I want to talk about it is it's very interesting because everyone who looks at him immediately notices they, they they're disgusted by him and not it's not said specifically because it's a it said he has the appearance of a physical deformity without actually having one. So he uh, the way that I read it is that he actually looks like a pretty normal dude, but his just the way he carries himself, his facial motions, the he way he talks, everything. Yeah, everything carries about him. He just exudes this nastiness that everyone just kind of recoils at upon first meeting him. So it's really interesting. And even when Jekyll changes into Hyde for the first time, he goes and he seeks out a mirror and he looks at him. He notices he looks younger. He notices he looks smaller, smol. Um, he looks. He, he and he sees himself and he doesn't feel disgust and he doesn't. Think that he's ugly. Everyone else sees him because he says later that he believes Hyde to essentially be the person or not the impersonation, but the personification of pure evil, essentially. So what Hyde is in the literary term is basically Hyde is all of Jekyll's negative and evil instincts brought to the surface. And so everyone else can just see that. Whether or not he's physically ugly is kind of a moot point because of just the way he is, makes everyone else perceive him as ugly.
3: He just needs to realign his chakras.
0: Oh my god. No, he needs to get a good JO crystal. He needs to fill that up with some positive energy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, fucking and <laughs> Ed... Hyde is an interesting character because it said every visual depiction of him is him looking very deformed and genuinely ugly mm-hmm. whereas Sort of the idea that, at least what I got from reading it, was it's the ugliness on the inside that makes him ugly on the outside. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's that That true colors showing through kind of thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. And he starts out um, much more frail and much more smaller. Like I said, every depiction of Hyde in the book is that whenever he changes into Hyde, his clothes are just hanging off of him. Because he reduces in stature. Because mm. Jekyll's supposed to be nice and built, and you know, pretty sturdy of a man, whereas Hyde is like small and golemish, and just like, eh. <laughs> He's like cowards in the corner. <laughs> yeah, very, very upsettingly small. But like one of the main problems that Jekyll runs into is that the more time he spends as Hyde, he becomes unable to control his ability to change. Mm. Later on, he starts changing into Hyde without knowing. Like, he's walking along and all of a sudden he feels nauseous. Changes and he feels in weird. his sleep. Yeah, well. he changes, and that's how it becomes, is he can't go to sleep for more than, like, ten minutes right. without waking up his hide. Right. And it's also said that as that happens, hide begins to grow, like he begins to get a little more sturdy and stuff, whereas Jekyll starts to become more frail and sickly. So it's basically his evil side is winning out. Basically, he's losing control of the goodness in him that he sought to Retain while exploring his negative instincts. And his negative instincts are pretty much all that remain by the end. And that frustrates him a lot. <laughs> he,
3: he's mad that the thing he thought could have happened did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, who would have thunk it, right? Um, it's like
3: that Eric Andre sketch. Just, <laughs> it's just, um, you know, he's just shot, sh- shot down. He's like, oh...
0: Mr. Hyde did this, <laughs> um, but I don't know. But yeah, but Hyde is interesting, and I love the depictions of Hyde in the book. Whenever it's an action scene, I love mm. like my three favorite parts. We're not going to talk about favorite parts at the end because it's kind of a book. It's kind of different. It's different. But, yeah. Um, my three favorite parts are definitely the action scenes with Hyde. I love when he s- tramples the little girl. They, 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 they. Out of, paint, con- out of context, that sounds awful. I know. <laughs> but they paint the picture really well. They say he's like a juggernaut, and he just runs straight over her, and she's just left screaming and <laughs> stuff. And it's just very evo- evocative. And I love the fight that he has with the me- member of parliament. Because I see it in my head as like some weird anime, because I'm a nerd. <laughs> and so like an I, anime see, fight. I see this member of parliament walk up, with the with the closed eyes and the smiling, you know you know the face I'm talking about. Very contented anime man with all with some slick back gray hair, and he walks back up to the guy that has the Robotnik stature, the, with the really big torso and the spindly legs and the, the really thin arms, and he talks to him for like five seconds, and then Robotnik just starts flailing around wildly, and then just clocks him in the side of his head with his cane, and he says he he clubs him to the earth. Is, that's the term. Loves him to the, earth. Yes, that's oh the term. That's
2: such a great that's oh <laughs> such a great like phrase. Yes. Him to <laughs> be
3: to to be more accurate with the current meme. A, a well. good depiction of that and also would tie into the time period would be um, the Jojo meme of Dio and Jotaro. Although that's in the 80s, but Dio's from the 1800s. Oh my god! You don't need to explain but it. I don't it's, even know
0: what you're talking
3: about. It, it's like it's a meme of like Dio walking onto Shotaro and it's like, oh, so you're approaching me. <laughs> it's just or see so Dan- Danvers. Is it Danvers or Denver's?
0: Are We're talking Ronnie James Dio. No, no, we're talking about we're talking about JoJo.
3: Jojo's Games oh, Bizarre Adventure.
0: Goddamn it! I don't know this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, 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 no I, know, exactly the, and I know going, exactly. I know exactly. So you're
3: approaching me, and yeah. hi to be the Jotaro saying, <laughs> oh, "I can't kill you without getting closer. or I can't beat the shit out of you without getting closer. Oh God.
0: Okay. That's, yeah. that's no, no no, so no, no. I know. No, I know
2: exactly no. the meme you're talking about. Uh, I'll show it to you later. Okay. Also. But yeah, it's. <laughs> That is that is a good meme. I don't know why you had to bring that up.
3: But. <laughs> it's my I thought. I'm trying to make it contemporary for the kids.
0: <laughs> for but anyway, the, the other thing I like about the... For the, the mis- Zoomers. Oh. <laughs> is that a term? I guess. Now it is. God yeah. damn it. I hate it. Yeah. Anyway, the other part about the Member of Parliament scene that I really like is he talks about after he clubs him to the earth, he then just starts... Punching him and stomping on him like a child while he's on the ground. He talks about him splintering his bones audibly and stuff. You're just like, wow, whoa! It's wow. really dark in that one scene. Mm. It's pretty fucking sweet. And so, and then the other scene that's really good is seeing him change into uh, uh, Jekyll again later on, and him growing back into his body and stuff like that. So there's a lot of good language in this. And actually, that's another thing I want to touch on really quick. If any of you do decide to pick this up as a result of reading or uh, listening to the podcast today, it's kind of a hard book to read because it's, it's in that Victorian style. Yes, that and just his his vocabulary and his word choice and stuff like that is very Victorian era. So it's kind of it's flowery and it's kind of hard to read. If you're sitting there and you're thinking you're gonna get through it in like a day, you're gonna be like, whoa! I have to stop for a second so I can redefine to myself what English is because I don't remember anymore. <laughs> it, it's like it's like yeah. reading Shakespeare, kind of. Maybe not. It that took me bad, two days
3: to read, and I can right all, right? get
0: through a book really quickly. And
3: it's only yeah. like, like the original seventy something pages. It's ninety-six pages if I remember right. It's like ninety-six pages. Yeah. And I just have to keep stopping.
0: Um, yeah, I know, same way.
3: I was, you know, I was reading it on my Skype, Stephen, and I'd be like, I'd stop and I'd just be like, I got wordy again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's really how it is, and you just have to sit and you just kind of have to digest it for a second, and I found myself having to think, it's like, okay, what does that word mean? I know what it means. Come on. Contextual clues. Let's, let's get yeah. out. Come on. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a rough one, but uh, like I said, it's very much out of the time. And so if, yeah. you've, if you've ever read anything, I, Did, be, I bet I bet you sh- Frankenstein's like this. I, I can't imagine Frankenstein not, being not any, a, any not different. Not as
2: seriously. And I feel like Dracula is actually a pretty easy read. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but have y'all ever read Jules Verne? Have you ever read that? Yeah, In- oh,
0: 20,000
2: Leagues. Hard is I, I,
0: I, Dickens I is a started 20,000 well. Leagues and couldn't. Mm.
2: Yeah, Dickens, Dickens and Verne are very much like mm. in this style. Yeah, this of like is very, very Dick,
0: like very much like Dickens. Very, very verbose
2: in a particular way. Yeah, you know? that—that's the way I would put it. Um, but yeah, I mean, sty- I think stylistically, that was just that was just the way. It was Which is style. strange,
0: and this is a good place to talk about this. Uh, I don't remember Treasure Island being like that. <laughs> I remember Treasure Island being a lot more accessible. But or, I think, I, I it's I think like it's I said, toward,
3: aimed towards children and younger audiences. Salty. right oh okay yeah
2: in this story yeah this story is not as much aimed towards children but i mean it, it, there were there were things that are he's he's i guess you could say that he didn't include to make it mm-hmm. more accessible to yeah. a wider audience but the thing is is that i think he, he is a little bit more verbose in this one and a little bit more flowery with mm-hmm. the language because of the type of story it is right because uh, like like we said treasure island was for kids really. well yeah, so at the time, time really,
3: if it was too descriptive and gory and horrible, it would have been basically banned. It would have been... There would have been so much uproar yeah. Up
0: yeah. about it. Mm. That's true. So, uh, I don't know, it's just... It's just interesting, because he hasn't really written a whole bunch of other stuff like that we would c- consider classically as horror. Right. Uh, in the little collection that I have, there's another story called The Body Snatcher, which is apparently uh, influenced by the Burke and Hare murders uh, in Edinburgh around the time of... He, they were contemporaries to Robert Louis Stevenson, I believe. Mm. And uh, he was inspired by that. And what they did, they killed like 15 people and then um, sold their cadavers or sold their bodies for experimentation. Which and, is...
2: Like, uh, that's what H.H. H. Holmes did. Yeah.
0: So... Yeah. Uh, Um, He was inspired by that, so that's The Body Snatchers. Uh, That's not very long. That one's only like 20 pages. It's very much a short story, and it's basically just this guy talking about, wait, that doctor's here? He's fucked up. (laughs) To go on on a
2: tangent here for just a second, you were saying that uh, when the play adaptions of this first came, the earliest play adaptions of this came out, you said that uh, one of the actors that was in it, they
0: thought was Jack the Ripper, So this was written in... Uh, 1886 1886 and yeah. the Jack the Ripper murders happened two years later yeah in 1888, 1888. yeah mm-hmm. so uh around the time of the Jack the Ripper murders this uh dr Jekyll and mr Hyde became a stage play that was being performed quite, quite often and uh they definitely went as far as they could making like the transformation scenes and stuff like that really scary because they, they talked about they how, how in morbid the shit
3: in Victorian England
0: yeah so they talked about how uh, the transformations and stuff for uh, one actor, the the original actor who played Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll, those transformation scenes were so extreme that it had pe- like women feigning in the theater and stuff like that, and men running out scared and all this type of stuff. That actor... Was so well known to be this character who played Hyde, who turns out, he's, his own, the transformation scenes, people thought that he was doing it with like acid or chemicals that were distorting his <laughs> appearance. No, all it was was they put different lighting on him, they put like green lighting on him, he made funny faces, and he like gave himself like a hunchback posture. Like, that's all he did, and that fucking freaked people out, and that's hilarious. He
3: said he was a Lon Chaney type. Yeah. yeah.
0: Look. But, um. It it
3: didn't take much to scare joy <laughs> in Britain. Yeah. Like They loved all this movie much stuff. Not watch. They loved
2: it Yeah honestly you could have you could, you could have honestly just had like a guy Fart in a different room and just yeah. Say oh I'm a fart ventriloquist And they, they would have probably killed you <laughs> uh,
0: But anyway So that original actor who played Hyde oh, uh, Was so scary and was so kind of Synonymous with horrific things That when Jack the Ripper came out Tons of people started writing into the police With like tips and stuff on who they thought jack the ripper was yeah like, tons of people There's, started writing in about it there
2: is literally a subsection of true crime like detective type people called ripperologists mm-hmm. that have studied jack the ripper for a, like hundreds of years yeah. so
0: it's but, i mean so yeah the actor <laughs> that played Hyde was one of the people that were that were pointed out as that's jack the ripper right there he's scared and so <laughs>
3: So if I shove green lighting on my yeah, face, exactly. I could be considered a Jack. I could be considered Jack the Ripper. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um. But so yeah, I don't know. Um. Just a strange book for Stevenson to write, kind of. But yeah. uh, it's just, it's a good. It's, yeah. a, it's one that I enjoyed, yeah. I, enjoyed. Mm. I, I don't really like reading very much these days I have a lot of other shit going on But I sat and I read it and yeah. I'm glad that I did <laughs> Yeah,
3: it's a good book Yeah, I don't um, have the time
2: to read <laughs> yeah, right. So let's talk about a little bit About themes um, So obviously the most in Like obvious one I guess is the duality Of I guess human nature And kind of uh, like intrusive thoughts That we have I mm-hmm. guess that we don't really act on um, because, yeah. it, you know, obviously there is the, the duality of Jekyll and Hyde, but really that's like a bigger commentary on human nature, yeah. uh, which is, you know, that's, that's an obvious interpretation of it. Um, but I, I, think the the other characters kind of play into sort of, uh, allegories for things like Lanyon, I would say is like kind of the uh, conservative society, maybe perhaps, yeah, or like kind of a more, uh, a a more, like, level-headed kind of perspective on the idea of, like, duality and intrusive thoughts Mm, uh, as, like, personified. Um, And then maybe it's, uh, maybe Utterson is kind of like, uh, the just the rectification factor, I guess, of like trying to rectify the the duality of those two thoughts. Yeah, Utterson you know? is definitely
0: the, the the common guy trying to live in that era with having to deal with this concept. He, he's right. like, I got this shit that I want to do. they telling me not to. I still want to do it, but not gonna act on it. I'm gonna have my gin at home and gonna be kind of a boring nobody. But. That's what people expect of me these days, and so um, <laughs> yeah, the duality of man—it it, it definitely is something that could speak to everyone, which is probably why the story has lasted as long as it has. In that, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde has become synonymous with a person who is at war with themselves? You know what yeah. I mean? It's something that's in in the vernacular now. You say Jekyll and Hyde means like that person's like right. manic or that person's, you know, crazy one minute and just normal the next. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's all over the place. So it, it's definitely something that speaks to everyone. And uh, everyone can relate to it. Everyone can relate to the fact that, you know, society's telling you do one thing, but you're like, but I really want to do that other thing. It sounds fun. I,
2: I and I would say that I, I feel like the I guess the idea of the duality of man is kind of an antiquated psychological thought experiment and thought exercise. I think that that this is kind of a uh kind of an in an evolution mm-hmm. of that thought exercise in the in the mm-hmm. thought that it's not as simple as it's not as simple as that there's there's, you know
0: just good and evil. Just good and evil. You know, I, think, yeah. I think this came out before Freud started doing a lot of his work, and a couple of things I've, I've talked about, or I read when I was reading about this book, mentions that Freud, I guess, kind of retconned the concept of just having a duality of man in that you have the three parts of the subconscious. And so this is really, this is really a kind of more, just the conscious and subconscious mind of the conscious having to present one thing to society, but suppressing all of your other things into the subconscious, whereas Freud definitely delved a lot deeper into what drives us as humans not just that you got bad shit and you got good shit and that's it. There's more like well, I mean, it's not necessarily that what your subconscious urges are bad. It's just they're being motivated by different things. Right. So, like I said, it kind of we we've come a little bit we've come further than psychology. And obviously Stevenson wasn't a psychologist. He wasn't trying to make right. any kind of scientific statements yeah. with this book. He was just trying to talk about this just probably in his own life because definitely he he seemed to have some have some vices, yes, and uh, everyone does. And I think that's really more of his commentary more than anything else. Because specifically, I think, because of where he lived and where he grew up, yes. and the culture yeah. that lived where he was, because uh, he definitely, like I said, upper class, Edinburgh, and just had to deal with knowing, I guess, that he was upper class. Because, I mean, anyone who kind of rebels in the way that he did is kind of at war with the fact that they have Privilege and other people don't, and that you know that's kind of a harmful thing in society, right? So, so he's dealing with that, and he's also dealing with problems with his father. <laughs> Very unhappy with daddy. We've
3: got the we daddy our, issues.
0: Yeah, we have it on our outline as uh, daddy ooh issues, which is <laughs> FYI. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that roll into why this book was written because right. Stevenson does talk about, or it's been given that stevenson did write this because of his own struggles with his father and that like kind of hide is definitely his urges to go out and see the world and do what he wants whereas everyone in his family expects him to stay home get engineering degree and just work for the rest of his life right and everyone can relate to that maybe not the family part of it but it can definitely relate <laughs> to what you want to do versus what everyone expects you to do right
2: yeah e- e- expectations mm-hmm. of what you're supposed to do yeah there was a I don't want to get too deep into it, but I did just uh, listen to it. This American life uh, podcast about a really, uh, there's this, this guy who he was basically, everybody expected him to be a football player. And then he ended up being a comedian, but there was like this whole like buildup, like where he was being trained to do it and basically railroaded into mm-hmm. it. But I, but I mean like that, that whole thing where you get railroaded into doing one thing by uh, your peers, by your parents, by your teachers, all that sort of thing where everybody expects you to do one thing. And, you just, that's not the thing that's for you. Mm-hmm. That's not you. So, you know what I mean?
3: So kind of like Bobby Hill. If you think about it, Bobby Hill has that. He's yep. trying to be steamrolled into being like Hank. And Bobby's like, no, I want to do the co- comedy. I want to be the prop comic, you, you fucking propane fuck.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting. I think in this...
3: King of the Hill is an allegory for Jeff (laughs) and Hyde. Prove me
0: wrong. I mean, Uh, mean, thank you for
2: making a King of the Hill reference, and I do think King of the Hill Hill has a lot of great commentary on on that sort of thing. Uh, It was just an interesting, that's an interesting choice that you made. (laughs) I
0: think in one way, uh, definitely, you can can flip it around, too, and you can say that Mr. Hyde is definitely the embodiment of, of the negative result of that type of pressures by society, perhaps. And I mean, and it's it's kind of a lesson that I feel like a lot of people don't take away. We take away the daddy issues. We take away the duality of man. We take away all these things because it kind of helps us better ourselves. But overall, society never seems to get their head around the fact that maybe it's wrong to impose these strict moral or career guidelines on another person. You know what I mean? There's a reason. There's we so have much of that in society. On. Yeah, yeah, well, there's so much of that in society. Like, you think about it. Yeah, there's a guy, someone who wants to do comedy and knows, hey, I'm good at this. Let me do it. Why then does no one acknowledge that if you want to do it and you like it, go for it? Why is there not more positive right. reinforcement I, in the world? I
2: agree. Uh, and I don't want to quote myself from earlier, but suppression and repression leads to aggression. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: it's mean, a, it, but it's strange, but that, that's, <laughs> that's always a takeaway that I feel like. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that that capitalism is the biggest problem in that it just, it stifles so much creativity, it stifles so much free expression, and it stifles so much independence in the sense of being able to channel and be the helmsman of your own life. Right. So many people, and no matter how independent you ever get, are always beholden to someone else's idea of what you should be doing, as opposed to... Right. What's right for you,
2: and, and tying it specifically to how capitalism influences that, it's people are going to railroad you into the thing that is the most lucrative yep. and the most glorious mm. thing that you're going that, mm. that they think that you should be doing instead of the thing that you want to do, mm-hmm. which is not always the most glorious thing and not mm. always the most lucrative thing.
0: Yeah, it's, and definitely Jekyll pursuing this whole side of himself is not lucrative. and is not not glorious. And he, he acknowledges that. He's like, this is the dirty part of my mind. Right. But that's there. And it deserves to be out there in the world. And... Maybe not. Was... Maybe not to the degree. Yeah, true. But yeah. but in
2: in some way, it shouldn't be repressed because then that leads to the degree in which it manifests itself. I mean,
3: yeah. we all love a bad boy, but not a fucking stomper of kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kid stomper. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I Who's think. The thing about I'm I'm Jekyll... get a shirt that says the... Kid Stomper. Right? Uh, <laughs> the thing, it does sound like a good punk band name. A uh, Kid Stomper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a very. It's just a Ramones cover band, but <laughs> she
3: just called. Dr. It's... Jekyll and Kid Stomper hide. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah. uh, but anyway, I don't know. The only malicious thing about Jekyll's whole experiment, like it'd be different if he just wanted to have this personality that could indulge in these things without feeling too bad personally. But I think the malicious thing is he's trying to do it without any legal consequences or moral consequences. Mm. Yes. You know? And that's the malicious thing. So I guess that's another takeaway is that, unfortunately, you do live in a society and have to do, yeah... Okay, guys. All right. All right. Let, let me get we, my Joker makeup out, and I'll say that again. I'll do another take, and I'll do, I'll do it with, uh, with, do you know I got these scars? Oh, my God. <laughs> we
2: certainly live in a society. Oh, uh,
0: but, so, it's malicious to think that you should be able to do whatever you want and get away with it all the time. That is an unhealthy way of thinking, and I think that's one thing that this book does show us but it's also unhealthy not to acknowledge that there are things out there that are worth doing that some people might not approve of. So yeah, it, it's a, a bounce. <laughs> I mean, he's a narc. I call him a narc. <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know, but they, I mean, and obviously a book that's been around this long, we're not gonna be the end all, be all, psychological evaluation of a l- historical novel from 1886. We're not we as Robert smart as Billy they were Stephenson. back then. We ain't we're smarter dude. in some ways. We're smarter than, in some ways than they were back then, but not in other ways. Like, I think scientifically, mechanically, engineering-wise, we were much smarter than they were back in the day. Philosophically and morally, to a certain degree, I think they were a little bit wiser back then. Mm, Sometimes. Uh, Sometimes. Uh, Sometimes. Uh, uh, nah.
2: No, uh, no. Nah, uh, I wouldn't say that. No. Yeah, I
3: wouldn't say that.
2: I wouldn't say that. I, say that. I think they're much like... Much like te- technologically, even I would say that there are uh, there are peaks and troughs.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, there are there are peaks and troughs. I would say late eighteen hundreds, kind of an ideological trough. <laughs> really? Oh,
1: okay.
2: Yes. Um. There, there are you know there are different parts to it. Yeah. There are different degrees to it. But I, I would say that there. I wouldn't say that there. There. are psychologically, the British superior. colonies you existed
3: know? in that time. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think I meant more. Among people, um, among thinky people, not necessarily among the whole of society. Even then, I, would I would say not no, necessarily. Even no, even
3: now, just, I just
0: feel like I just feel like I don't know. Like philosophy and spirituality and all that type of stuff has kind of gone by the wayside. And I'm not a spiritual person, but I mean thinking about it rather but than like just I like said, shoving it down there's always threes. peaks and
2: troughs of that yeah. there are definitely periods of time where the, where spirituality was not as important as it as it used to be mm-hmm. uh i mean think about just all of the the dark ages or the period where the church was incredibly corrupt yeah uh you know it's not it's not as simple as yeah, as we used to be thing. more pious yeah. you know it, it's just there are different degrees and there are mm-hmm. different time periods of things happening and you know all that sort of thing
0: I don't know. We just don't think a lot anymore. This is my point. Like, you don't see a whole lot of, like...
2: We don't think critically. Let's put it that way. That's a, that a good point. Yeah, to put it. yeah. Uh, our, our our I think biggest problem right now is attention span. Yeah. I think I think that's an issue. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that we can't think critically, and I don't think necessarily that we don't think. I think it's it's largely that our attention span has been compromised.
1: True.
0: Okay, yeah. and I agree with that. That yes. that is what I will agree with. I think people, yeah, people back then definitely had a much bigger attention span for sitting down and think ruminating on something and thinking about themes and ideas and yes. like philosophical and psychological intentions or meanings. We just don't do that. We want we want more Spider-Man movies. By the way, I saw Into the Spider-Verse, and it was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway,
2: um, we, we kind of glossed over some of the other stuff that we were going to talk about, but I think we did touch on a lot of really great things. The only other um, thing I
0: wanted to mention, and we, we were just going to mention adaptations super quick, Um. If you watch any of them, you're going to be kind of off-put by the fact that there's a lot more meaning of romance, or a lot more inclusion of romance and sex in movies than there is in this book. I don't know why. They just add characters in. They just were like, this is a good book. Let's add some shit to it that the original author didn't write. It's like, okay, cool. Thanks, guys.
3: They do that with old <laughs> books.
0: I know, but still, it's just kind of frustrating. because no, 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 it It's like, happen. that's not the purpose. The, the Sex is actually mentioned very minimally in the overall book. It mentions it one time when he's sitting on a bench. And he's talking about the like the, the the, quenching the thirst of his lower area or something like that. They don't even mm. mention sex outright that he's been sleeping around. Right. It just means that he's had the urges. And just thinking about those urges is one of the things that makes him turn back into Hyde right. from Jekyll. So, like, sex is very much glossed over. But the only one I watched was the 1941 version. Sex is a huge part of it. Yeah. And has in- Ingrid Bergman in it. I love her. And that was a good movie. I mean, so like it can still be a good movie and include stuff that I think is dumb, right? But it's it's a good film,
2: and, and there are so many just a vast amount of adaptions yeah. of this thing uh, that we really, if we wanted to get into it, we'd have to make a separate episode.
0: <laughs> I about. don't have
3: enough hands to count. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's, there's
0: also a TV series, like a
3: there's
2: contemporary
0: TV 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 series.
3: Too many TV series. There well, I mean the
0: new one coming out, the Jekyll one.
2: There's there's yeah. TV series, there's movies, there's radio uh adaptions mm-hmm. of it, there's theater adaptions of it. We don't there is no there's not enough fucking time yeah, to cover and, all of that shit. And
0: I think that it just speaks to the staying power of this story. Yes. And like I said, mm. even though some of the ideas are dated, and even though it's kind of flowery language, and even though it's kind of kind of a simplistic view of human nature, for whatever reason it speaks to people and it's been right. around since the fucking 1800s for a reason yeah. and people still want to come back to it over and over again. There was an NES game made about it. Why? Why was there an NES game made about it? This is not even a lucrative property for a game.
2: I, I say that a lot by, uh, uh, about a lot of NES games.
0: Uh, <laughs> Toho made it by the way. Yeah, oh, Toho really? made yes.
2: it. Yes. Oh shit. Oh fuck. <laughs> Why does that it? make sense? Now I gotta play. it. Uh,
3: <laughs> okay. I mean, fucking Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde exists where Sister Hyde is meant to be fucking Jack the Ripper and she spends most also... of the film naked because the 70s.
0: Is that also Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde? No. Is that the same it's... movie? No, no it's it's a different movie. Because there's a Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde that you can watch for free on YouTube right now. Yeah, that's a
3: 19... <laughs> I think that was the 80s though. There's okay. a 1971 <laughs> film called Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. And yeah. It's it sounds a... fucking cool actually. It's wilds. It's just a nineteen seventies awesome. exploitation horror film.
0: There's also one with Christopher Lee in it. I to wanted watch I couldn't find. It's called I it's called I Monster is what it's called. Okay. I just that. Cool. <laughs> anyway, it's a good book. It's been around for a long time because people know it's a good book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good story um,
3: if you can get through it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's like I said, not that long. It's pretty easy to find. Um, I had to go to Barnes and Noble before; couldn't find it at, like a local bookstore. But fuck it, whatever. I had to get it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you'd be hard pressed to not find it, I guess, yeah. anywhere because it is there's pretty ubiquitous. So many free
3: PDFs of it online as well. You can literally just look up Jekyll and True, Hyde yeah. PDF, and it will. It's there.
0: Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's yeah. an interesting story, and I think I think my biggest takeaway from reading it, and I think why it's lasted as long as it has, is because it is so much different than anything other that Stevenson wrote, and because it is just one of those classic Gothic horror classics. Yes, like a classic. One of, the, uh, you know, it, it definitely stands alongside Mary Shelley's Frankenstein as one of those that you know you just say, hey, you know, Doctor Jekyll and Hyde. They're like, oh yeah, I know about that. I saw that on Wishbone when I was a kid. Is that what they
2: say? Yeah.
0: That's exactly what oh. everyone who's I've ever talked about when Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with have said. I've
2: never watched a single episode of Wishbone.
0: Yes, you have. You just don't remember.
2: No. Yes, you have. <laughs> no, I swear I, to
0: God, I, that I Jack don't. Russell Terrier haunts your nightmares. Oh. <laughs> you haunt my nightmares, Isaac. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, but uh,
0: I think that's all we have for this week. I think yeah. it was... Uh... Like I said, I, ha- I had to read. It was hard. Don't make me me do it again, guys.
3: (laughs) No, we certainly won't. Make me read, because it meant I actually finished a book for once.
0: I know, right?
2: (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, that's how I felt when we did in Nosferatu, and I had to uh, listen to Dracula on audio, um, which uh, I love that book now. So that's a great book. Uh, But yeah, it's uh, read more. That's the lesson that you should come away with today read more read more <laughs>
3: and don't be a shit and trample children i suppose
0: ah <laughs> uh, yes yeah but stay tuned for our for our new band kid stomper we're coming out with our first ep next week <laughs> got to record it really fast now but we but we got to go <laughs>
2: yeah
0: i mean i mean
2: the punk eps are easy
0: yeah <laughs> they're they're
2: only like what an average of like 10 minutes long so it's okay yeah
0: yeah <sighs> a minute 30 a song yeah yeah that's about all you need.
2: Anyway, <laughs> we love you all. Yay, thank you for
0: listening. Thank
2: you for listening.
0: We appreciate we it. We did yes. a book. We took a look at <laughs> <in> the book. <laughs> and that's our biggest thing. If you haven't noticed, that's our biggest accomplishment. <laughs> in We're like, we fucking read something. Look at us. We read a comic book before, but that's different. That's pictures. had no look. pictures.
1: It's
3: in a book. <laughs> reading Rainbow. I don't think Reading Rainbow covers <laughs> this. Take oh, a look. Oh, it's oh. in the, like, the right no, book. I don't matter. think so. Yeah. <laughs> Take a look. It's in a book. <laughs> I just fucking curb stomps a man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If Levar Burton came out, it was just like, so this is we're gonna reunite. What are these things? Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> He's sitting on the beach
2: <laughs> and he just he destroys a seagull with his feet.
1: <laughs> anyway. Uh we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.